Greetings, 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 and greetings once again. Welcome to our show tonight, dubbed appropriately, The Silence of Our Friends. Dr. King once made a statement, and the statement has become sort of the mantra, the marching orders uh, for our program. Uh, and in that statement, uh, in the speech, actually, Dr. King made the statement and the statement was in the end, what will be remembered will not be the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That's right. I'll repeat it in a statement. Dr. King was making as he was making a speech, he made the statement in the end, what will be remembered will not be the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And so we have a contentious program tonight. I believe it may go into part two, perhaps even part three, because of the enorm enormity, enormity, if you will, uh, and the volume of uh, the contents of the subject matter. And so tonight, we're going to have a standoff. We're going to juxtapose. That's right. We're going to stand side by side for discussion purposes, for uh, argument for learning purposes, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. I've heard this statement, this almost to me contradiction of terms or uh, a question of semantics, a semantical phrase. On the left hand, you have Black Lives Matter, and then you have on the right side saying All Lives Matter. Um, and again, I would caution you tonight um, to help us to grow our Facebook space. You can share this message as you are hearing it tonight, this show and our show topic. You can tag your friends. Uh, why not share uh, the entire program with all of the persons who are your followers, who make up your retinue, persons who follow you? If you think this uh, show uh, will be of significant content, Post it on your page. It will help us to gain proper space and to grow the channel. Uh, speaking of channels, our YouTube, we have two channels there. We have a ministry channel and uh, we have the silence of our friends channel. You can share it with your friends and, of course, help us to grow our space as well. Um, I was involved um, in a discussion. Uh, let's just say there were one, two, three. There were three men of color ministers. Uh, since the slaying, um, the murder, outright murder and um, uh, of George Floyd, Mr. George Floyd. And uh, after that, it seemed to be a lot of uh, concern about ministers, uh, 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 the rainbow um, coalition of ministers, so to speak, uh, who could discuss um, the, the epidemic uh, plight of black and brown persons in America. And so uh, I received a call from another minister of whom I have a great deal of respect and he asked me if I would join the forum. And of course I consented to do so. I cleared my schedule, I joined the forum. Three men of color uh, of different um, ecumenical backgrounds, different reformations, different persuasions as far as our specific denominations are concerned. Um, but that doesn't matter to me. I'm interfaith. And for that reason, I have a greater levity in my mind uh, to approach the truth um, as an apologist, uh, to protect and defend the truth at any and all costs, at least those that are necessary. And uh, then there were 
three, there were three other white ministers who were four, I think. Uh, and then there was a Zoom um, in-feed or upload, if you will, uh, where there were other white ministers of the Southern Baptist, and that is denomination, Baptist denomination, and that is largely probably 99% white in America, a very large group. And these were some major office holders uh, who came um, to us and were included in this meeting. And then there was uh, there was one other uh, black minister, a man of color, who had joined the white, uh, largely white, um, Southern Baptist denomination. So there we were in the room and they all spoke. I was the last to speak. And, um, you know, at the end of it, I, I just had a bevy of mixed emotions. And these are ministers. These are ministers of the gospel. These are men. <clears throat> and I respect women in ministry as well. But in this particular situation, these were all men, except on the Zoom uh, chat, there were probably two women involved. And uh, the point is, I, I believe white evangelicals, uh, black ministers, I believe white uh, ministers, regardless of their gender, should be sold out to the truth, regardless of color and regardless of the ill effects that may come from pressures from people who don't necessarily agree with the stance of truth. And I have no tolerance. I, I, I just, if I have to ask God to help me have tolerance for people who will sell out the truth of God's word and God's uh, position on matters and in exchange for the way things have always been going along, secondly, to get along and the fear of pressures, the pressure that comes when you are strong enough and bold enough to stand alone. And it, to my amazement in that group, um, they were wanting to talk about racial racial reconciliation and what needs to be done and they said they really wanted to learn from men of color who could express the views on uh, the challenges of being black or brown in america the situation of which they knew very little if anything about altogether so i respected that for 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 the matter for that matter um but then the issue came okay if we're going to in a in an intelligent way, strategize to make change because I'm very busy. I'm certain they, certain they are as well, and I don't have time for just chatter. Uh, how can we best strategize and and marshal our efforts to make certain that uh, a united voice is heard? Well, it, when it dumbed down as it was, when it was factored and ferreted, maybe it, it, it is a better way of saying when it ferreted down to where the rubber met the road, the question became, uh, how do we craft a, a vision statement, perhaps a, a mission statement, perhaps, uh, or at the very least a statement of purpose that represents everyone. And the stalemate came, and if you know anything about chess, you understand that. The stalemate came when the discussion, uh, even after the meeting, after the in-person meeting, the discussion came down to, um, do we embrace, can you embrace, can you sirs who are not men who are black and brown in hue uh, or have additional layers of melanin in your skin, you're not melaninized, melanized, 
Um, can you embrace Black Lives Matter? And the retort kept coming back uh, from their people, as I understand it. All lives matter. Yes, in, invariably, all lives matter. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is the father of all equally, above all, and in us all. I believe that. I believe in the Our Father prayer uh, before Jesus' resurrection and uh, crucifixion and then ultimate resurrection where he taught his disciples to pray even before ushering uh, the church and ushering his followers into a new covenant, which we call the New Covenant, the New Testament, uh, which is the covenant and testament of grace that that which we have not earned, not labored for necessarily, that which we do not deserve, that which we cannot pay for. And God's grace, which was earned by Jesus Christ, brings us into right relationship with the Father, those of us who are having faith in his work is what we call theologically the finished work of Jesus Christ. But with all of that said, the thing that got me was I hear people all the time say while black lives matter, they are willing to agree, but they want to give an equal balance by saying all lives matter. As if this statement uh, on both sides of the equation have equity and equality and a sense of balance and it, all lives do not have in this country, the yet to be United States of America, all lives do not have the same value. Now, I will admit, and I'm going to, you know, get to this in a minute, that in the eyes of God, all lives matter. Jesus died, in my view, and I believe I can give you enough biblical support to back it up. Jesus died for all lives, all ethnic groups, all uh, colors and races and creeds of people equally. He shed the same amount of blood on Calvary's cross for all men, regardless of their uh, background, racial backgrounds or, or socioeconomic backgrounds or whatever have you. Jesus died equally for everyone. But that's not the question. The question is, do all lives matter uh, to the same degree that black lives matter in this country and do black lives matter to the same degree that all other lives matter in this country. The word matter uh, having to do with this sense of equity. Are all lives equally valuable and valid to all people? Do white people in America feel that black people in America, all other things being equal, are of the same value in the workplace and space. Um, it's as far as earnings are concerned, as far as education is concerned, as far as entertainment is concerned, as far as athletics are concerned in the political arena. And we're going to touch all of that uh, as far as we can go tonight. Many people will say to me, George Matthews, the church should just do church sit in a corner and handle its own problems and not veer or venture into the challenges that confront society. Well, someone apparently forgot to mention this to the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah is known as the messianic prophet. Uh, he 
it was the one who was able to see Jesus's coming and to foretell of it thousands of years before the Lamb of God was ever born into a flesh, bone, and blood body. Uh, and so in any school uh, of theology, in any race of people, Isaiah is probably seen as one of the most holy and hallowed prophets of the Bible. But watch what he says in Isaiah chapter 10, <clears throat> verse uh, one through verse 2a, woe to those who make unjust laws. So he's speaking to the political forces that were. To those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people. Again, that's the New International Translation of Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 2a. Jesus quoted Isaiah Again, and I gave you these last week and said the spirit in St. Luke chapter four, verse 18 in the new revised standard version of the Bible. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is your Jesus who said this because he hath anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is a, an economic, a socioeconomic gospel. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. Here it is again, to let the oppressed go free. That's again, St. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Jesus died in an untimely death. Well, it was prophesied. We knew it was coming. But the factors and the forces that led up to it was, uh, were merely the fact that Jesus... Um, spoke out against the threat of Caesar and in a Romanized world where Rome had captured Jerusalem and um, the Israelitish people. And Jesus spoke against it in many situations. He spoke against uh, not only the Caesar, but he spoke against the governor, uh, the, 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 the governor that the government of Rome placed over Israel. And he, in, in one sense, Jesus said, what they said that the governor is looking for you. He said, well, go and tell that fox that I do the works of him that sent me during the day and then the night no man can work. In other words, he's saying in plain vernacular, he knows where I am. I don't hide from anyone. Um, Daniel was thrown into a den of lions because of his outcry against Nebuchadnezzar and his refusal to comply with political powers that were in authority against his spiritual convictions. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were their Babylonian names given them, uh, were the same. Uh, remember, Dr. King also makes the statement, and I like to open the shows uh, with this, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. And I think they're, I'm not sure, so sure, I'm not so sure whether there are more people who are just sincere, nice people, well-intentioned people, but they're ignorant, unread, and unlearned, and uh, are the benefactors of uh, steeped racial bigotry and um, hypocrisy and dubiousness uh, from the past dating back for, to, the, to the opening of this new world as it was then known, uh, or if there are more people who are simply conscientiously stupid they are aware. They are learned. They can see the difference. But what is the old adage that says there are none so blind as he who will not see? He sees what he wants to see. And we did a show uh, from the Doobie Brothers lyrics uh, of the, the very famous song. And they said, um, what a fool believes he sees. And so the premise of our show is to answer the question surrounding the generally unfair 
treatment of people of color in America? Is it the will of God? Whatever have you. So we know that um, the show's topic is Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. It's to me a question of racial equity in America. If you had a set of scales or balances, you're saying on the one set of scales, on the other, on one side, black lives matter, and on the other side, all lives matter. And you're, the, the, the question is, uh, from the retort back to the statement, black lives matter, uh, do, is there equity? Is there equal value? Is there fairness? Is there balance? Uh, this, this particular response comes quickly in the face of truly persons who have hedged or covered their bigotry. They have not yet realized, in my view, uh, the hidden um, recesses of their hearts, their, their thinking capacity, the cerebellum. Um, all lives matter to God and always have, but we're talking about do these lives matter to people of the white majority to the same degree as they matter to themselves. Now let's let's just do a little work here, uh, a little academia, if you will, if you will. Here we are. Keep in mind that the fathers and framers of the yet these yet to be United States were all white. They were all white. Fathers and framers of this country were all white or in their indigenous uh, nationality, Anglo-Saxons. They coined a phrase, peculiar institution, because they saw the heinousness. In order to answer this question, in order to deal with this fairly, I'm going to have to do a little history, so just bear with me. Um, they coined a, frame, a phrase because of the heinousness of slavery, black slavery in America. And the phrase was peculiar institution. How do you like those apples? <laughs> the peculiar institution loomed large over the first few decades of American presidential history. I'm going to deal with the presidents first. Not only did enslaved laborers helped, help build the White House, and you know, you would see the paradox. Black enslaved persons built the White House largely because of the free labor that was available through their efforts. But the, the house they built is called, you have it, the White House. It's a paradox of terms uh, and of thought. Um, not only did enslaved laborers help build the White House, all of the earliest presidents except for John Adams and his son, John Quincy Adams, owned enslaved people. Stay with me. <laughs> George Washington kept some 300 bondsmen, slaves, at his Mount Vernon plantation. Plantation slaves. Okay, here we go. Thomas Jefferson, despite, despite once calling slavery, and I quote, an assemblage of horrors. See, there was all this uh, duplicity and uh, um, um, and, and these semantical terms and the hypocrisy, uh, just duplicitous mentalities that uh, that are uh, uh, that were surrounding enslavement, black enslavement in America, which exists to this day. So you, what is it? The old adage that says a rose by any other name is still a rose. 
uh, slave enslavement in America by any other name, whether you call it peculiar institution, whether you call it enslavement, whether you call it uh, laborers or uh, bondmen, whatever you, however you want to phrase it, it still comes down, shakes down to the same thing. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, despite once, despite once calling slavery an assemblage of horrors, owned at least, wait for it, 175 enslaved workers at one time. These are the beginnings of the hypocrisy of rhetoric and semantics and semantical phraseology uh, Amer in America, which has stained the consciousness of this country, uh, stained it to the degree that many cannot see what is right before their eyes, that blacks and brown people in America have never been valued to the same degree as white pre people in America. The white majority were the supreme, was, was the uh, supremacy, and the black and brown people have always been the minority, not even seen on the same footing as being humans. I'm going to delve into it with me. The United States may have been founded on the idea that all men were created equal, but during the late 18th and early 19th centuries, it's the 17th and 1800s, slaveholding was common among the statesmen who served as president. All told, at least 12 chief executives, that's right, is at least 12 presidents, former presidents of the United States, over a quarter of all American presidents enslaved people during their lifetimes. So how could you be a father and framer of this country and you viewed your view, you, you frame, help frame the country and your, your honest heart was that all men were created with certain in, unalienable rights given them by the creator. You go on to say that all men, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Uh, as a result, and I'll deal with the preamble in a minute, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all men are created equal. But those men of whom they referred were never black and brown men. And it has stained the consciousness and, the, and caused myopia, uh, uh, a vision problem in this country. Uh, 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 an evaluation of value and equity challenge in this country because of the fathers and framers of this new world. Um, notice this, all told, at least 12 chief executives over a quarter of all American presidents enslaved people during their lifetimes. Of these, eight held enslaved people while they were president. While they were president. The majority of the signers of the Declaration of Independence from England, they, okay, oh, all right, now they're declaring this new country, the newfound land, that's another play on words, uh, that is hypo hypocritical. But all of these play into the mindset that the white majority has today because of the fathers and framers of this country. Um, while the majority of the signers of the Declaration of Independence from England uh, were declaring their uh, liberty and freedom from England, uh, from England's oppression. Um, 
we've done a show on this already. While they're signing, while they're crafting the Declaration of Independence, let's take a look at what was happening back at the plantation. Same time element, same timeline. Amazing. 41 of the 56 fathers and framers, according to one study, uh, well, actually that's proven, owned slaves. So more than two-thirds of the fathers and framers owned slaves. According to one study, however, they were ardent abolitionists. There were ardent abolitionists calling for the abolishment, the end of slavery, slavery among their numbers. So in other words, the same thing we're seeing in the, our current administration. They were practicing one thing and saying something else. They were publicly decrying the egregiousness, if you will, and the heinousness of slavery on the one hand, but back at the plantation, they were maintain while at the plantation, they were maintaining slaves. Um, <clears throat> notice hypocrisy in deeds is what I call it. Their voices were saying one thing, but their deeds were saying another. Conflicts. Let's talk about some conflicts of the these concurrent actions concurrent by concurrent. I mean, uh, conflicting actions that were occurring at the same time. On the one hand, they were declaring their independence as a country from the oppressive hand of England while they were maintaining oppression at the, at their own plantations. Uh, on the, on the one hand, they were uh, calling for the abolition of slavery while back at the plantation concurrently, they were maintaining slaves just like everyone else or the majority of people. In fact, independence, the independence of America was formally declared on July 2nd, 1776, a date that John Adams, president, former president, believed would be, and I quote, the most memorable epoca in the history of America. On July 4th, 1776, Congress approved the final text of the declaration. It wasn't signed until, however, August 2nd, 1776. Let's go back to the plantation now. Meanwhile, back at the plantation, in the declaration, Thomas Jefferson, one of the primary fathers of our country, expressed American grievances and explained why the colonists were breaking away. His words proclaimed America's ideals of freedom and equality encircle that word equality which were which still resonate throughout the world yet at the same time these words were written more than wait for this 500,000 black americas black americans were slaves while he sang with his mouth it's one of the primary fathers of this country that slavery was wrong politically, maintaining slaves himself, and at the time, more than half a million black slaves were in America. At the same time, the declaration was signed. Jefferson himself owned more than 100. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, slaves accounted for about one fifth of the population in the American colonies. Most of them lived in the southern colonies where slaves, watch this now, made up 40 percent of the population. That fact was taken from the Constitution and Slavery Constitutional Rights Foundation. You can research it. Triple W C R F hyphen USA dot org. I'm citing the sources so that you will know I'm not making this. I am not making this up. Even more ruinous was that they pinned these infamous words, knowing their practices at home. Here's the preamble to the Declaration of, Appen of Independence, the preamble, uh, the four statement before you actually got into the declaration itself, which according to archives.gov um, set the stage for the U.S. Constitution. Now, in my research, I thought that was interesting that this preamble that I'm about to read to you uh, was seen as uh, by way of archives.gov as the, uh, the, the setting of the stage for the entire U.S. Constitution, whereby all laws are uh, mandated and uh, man mandated, monitored. <laughs> and maintained how's that for three m's we hold these truths to be self-evident self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights which among these life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but the question is for whom for whom you had over half a million slaves working in the new newfound land, the new country, uh, uh, the America of their day. Uh, you had 46 of the 51 signers who maintained slaves. Um, you had, um, you, at the same time, you had these men who were making speeches uh, debunking slavery while maintaining and, pros and prospering from the proceeds of slavery. Um, so for whom, who, for whom was this country framed? We, we have to deal with this historically or the historicity of the country in order to answer the question, uh, when we juxtapose black lives mattering, if you will, to all lives mattering, all other lives besides black lives have always mattered in this country. The question becomes, what is the, at what value? have black lives and brown lives mattered in these yet to be United States. If enslaved people were being harbored and abused at most of these men's residences, thusly proving that blacks and browns in America were not viewed as their lives mattering as did their at the same proportion as did their white counterparts. If black lives really mattered, you would not be enslaving them to the degree that you did. Now, let's delve further for the same period. The statement Black Lives Matter, in my mind, is, is one that, that begs of equality, of, of equal value, of fairness, of equity. Uh, we could just as easily, with a few more words, state Black lives matter to the same degree and equality with white lives in America. So that's really the statement. 
<laughs> Black Lives Matter is the is the short uh, abridged version of this thought. Black Lives Matter to the same degree and equally with white lives in America. None superior, none inferior, all equal across the board. And people will talk this. I one of my spiritual heroes who has been a hero of mine for 20 years probably. I was getting ready to do my daily tweet for those who follow me. And if you would like to be involved in that, you can just simply uh, follow me on Twitter. And I do a daily word of the day tweet, encouraging tweet uh, Monday through Friday. And this past Friday, when I opened up Twitter, my Twitter account, of course, they provided for me at their courtesy. <laughs> um uh, I didn't request it, but at their courtesy, at Twitter's courtesy, some of the more trending uh, tweets. And in there was a tweet from the night before, because, you know, the president of these yet to be United States does not sleep often from what the record says. Uh, so he tweets uh, during the night and he tweeted uh, that most of the, ma uh, the majority, I would say, of the cities in America, larger cities in America that have havoc or havoc ridden cities are run by democratic uh, mayors and for the state's governors. And one of my, whom I, I've been, you know, they've been coming out these last three years, three and a half years. So I, I knew I, I've located where he's been uh, great at uh, the word of God, the word of faith, but while white and while over 80, it's hard for people to see the disproportion uh, of lives. I mean, to have a president that will not even address this virus and how it is uh, disproportionately taking out people of color, all people, but people of color because they only represent 13 to 14% of the population and you're being taken out to the same degree as people who represent 72.4% of the population and not even address it. To not address and to not decry a 17 year old who walks in a crowd of protesters and fires off rounds from a high powered assault rifle, uh, knocking down three, killing two, and to not even address it but to 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 uh, plan a trip to Wisconsin to, in my view, stoke the fires, uh, because you see that there is a a following of people, a constituency of people who embrace the same kind of devaluing of black and brown people. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so the real statement is, black lives matter to the same degree, and it and equally with white lives in America. Now from 1525 to 1866, uh, there was this importing, <laughs> uh, a kidnapping, a napping, uh, unwilling of unwilling participants of black and brown people from the mother continent Africa being imported into America to work freely to build the country uh, in the most uh, uh, the, the work was 
was uh, work that machines later had to take over and do. It was so rigorous and uh, so challenging physically. Uh, the picking of cotton, the laying of uh, train rails, the uh, breaking up of rock so that uh, rails could be laid for transit in America, so forth and so on, and the list goes on. But from 1525 to 1866, these people, black and brown people, were imported from the mother continent, Africa. But I noticed at the same time, a word, if you were to do an etymological study of this particular word, and the word is inhumane, I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E, inhumane, uh, because these were inhumane treatments of people as they were being imported, kidnapped, and brought to this new country, black and brown people, um, they experienced inhumane conditions. The word inhumane itself was coined from 1590 to 1600. It's ironic to me that this word, this particular word, inhumane, which we use with the word treatment in the most, most senses and cases, was coined at the very same time that slavery was picking up in America. So inhumane treatment really applies to the black and brown person as it related to the, 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 the Middle Passage being imported uh, from Africa across the Atlantic Ocean, which took two, three, four months. I want you to notice that amount of time. Two, three, four months, okay? Inhumane means lacking humanity, kindness, compassion, etc. All right, so over this period of time, uh, from the time 1525 to 1866 when slavery was reported to have ended, watch it now, 12.5 million black and brown people were transported from Africa, from slave ports in Africa. Now, 2 million die in the Middle Passage, in that trip from Africa, from slave ports in Africa to America. Over this period of time, over this 250-year period of, of, of enslavement, um, two, well, 300 years, let's just say that, and uh, extra 100 years of the uh, vestiges <laughs> that have on, gone, uh, been ongoing for black and brown people. So 2 million die, whether by way of disease and sickness, or jumping all overboard, or willing to uh, take their chances in the afterlife than to um, go to the new world and be enslaved. 12.5 million people. This is amazing to me. Now, let's talk about diseases on board these slave ships. Uh, inhumane conditions existed throughout the voyage, which lasted, like I said, sometimes two to, to four months and maybe even longer. Slave ships. Now, you tell me if black lives mattered in the founding of this country with enslaved people, black and brown, being transported from slave ports in Africa. You tell me, and I'm just getting started. I know my time is winding down for this program. It's definitely going to be a part two next week. But you be the judge. If you valued, if a nation valued, if these presidents, 12 of which were presidents of the United States during this time, which owned slaves, if they value black and brown people, if their, if their estimation of black and brown lives 
mattered to the same degree as white lies. If they truly believe that, would they have uh, participated in these inhumane conditions? Listen to the brutality. Slave ships transported hundreds of black slaves with each transition. So they were packed in there. And all you need to do is do an uh, Internet search and type in the word slave ships and see the bowels of the ship ships and how they were designed. Uh, three, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred people. Um, and I'm going to prove that if, if, if I have enough time tonight. Uh, slave ships transported hundreds with each transition. The ceilings were as low as four feet. Now, I'm a six foot five man. So that's nearly uh, two and a half feet uh, shorter than me. So that means during this entire trip, while I'm in this, uh, these crevices, I can't stand. If you're any taller than four feet, male or female, you can't stand. That by itself is inhumane. That by itself tells us you never value black and brown people equally. All lives did not matter to you. You said it with your mouth, but you couldn't have believed it with these conditions prevailing. Uh, men were chained together by twos. So not only are you seated, you're, if you're a male, you're chained with another male in the same condition, in, in a very uh, narrow space. Um, they were given eight hours per day on the deck, still gender separated and chained. Uh, ventilations came from uh, additional portholes uh, on, the, on, the on the decks of the ships, which meant that the air was stifling at the very bottom of the ship. With all these people there, the, the ventilation was at the very top of, of, of the deck. So it was very poor ventilation. It was hot. Um, before boarding ships, these people's heads were shaved. Black people. At the slave ports, their heads were involuntarily shaved. Their possessions stripped from them. Males and females were left mostly naked with merely loin, loin cloths possibly partially covering them. There were no sanitary provisions on these slave ships for these two to four to six months for relieving their bowels, their, their, their natural elements. And so uh, their natural function, they had to relieve themselves where they were chained. It gets more gruesome. And you tell me if black lives matter to the same degree as white lives matter to these people. Diseases affected and killed many of these slaves and the crews because it was just that bad, uh, such as the following. Uh, with these heated conditions, you had uh, malaria, yellow fever, smallpox, measles, influenza, dysentery um, and and so while you're chained you're relieving yourself you're sitting in your own feces your own urine and everybody else's for months chained seated can't move and then when you did take me out you put me on the deck for exercise still chained and that exercise included uh, setting of the sails the 
uh, adjusting of the steam in certain instances to where however the, the ships were moving. Uh, part of my exercise was propelling the ship's progression, uh, dancing and providing entertainment to the crew. And if I didn't dance to your beat, they were whipped with the feared cat of nine tails designed to inflict maximum pain on humans. Black lives matter to the same degree as white lives. You tell me. Women frequently were raped by the crews. They were already partially naked in filthy conditions. And the crews would take them out, rape the women, often arriving in the new world, carrying children of the white crews. You tell me. Do black lives, did black lives matter in the birthing of this country, the birthing of this nation, which carried on till now in thought, in in beliefs, in the embraced truths of this nation, or did white lives matter to a different value system than their black counterparts? You tell me. Um, there was a, a tool called the Speculin, S-P-E-C-U-L-A-N, Speculin Oris, O-R-I-S, and it's a medieval tool designed to force the mouths open of those persons who decided they didn't want to eat their regular meals of rice and beans. Some probably decided they wanted to starve themselves to death. And they had this particular tool, and it's an awesome looking tool, that they would pry open their mouths and feed them because of the fact these slaves were valuable. Now, in 1783... There was a trial of the crew of the slave ship Zong, Z-O-N-G. It left Ghana in, in August uh, 1781 with 442 enslaved people on board. After two months on the sea, 62 enslaved people, the slaves, <clears throat> and seven crew members perished with diseases threatening the remaining on the ship. Captain Luke Collingwood alleged. He said these people would... Um, would spread these particular diseases uh, to the rest of the uninfected people on the ship. So he took 130 alive, well people, slaves, and threw them overboard alive. What was the reason? You tell me if black lives matter to the same value of white lives in this country from its inception to date. Drowned slaves were, would be insured, that's right, because they were valuable chattel. I didn't say cattle, I said chattel. Owners, ownership of property. They were property, like cows and horses. The dr drowned slaves were insured, but slaves dying from natural diseases were uninsurable. So this man fearing his consequence with the slave uh, ship's owners made the decision to throw 130 people overboard alive. And so the case came up between the ship's owners and their insurance company because there was going to be a major payoff. The case 
was argued by the ship's owners, hear this, hear this, please hear this, that because it was legal to kill sick animals for the protection of the ship. In other words, if you had sick animals that you were uh, transporting as cargo on the ship and they became sick, it was legal to put them out of their misery and to protect the crew from uh, attracting this, these particular sicknesses, whatever had you that uh, were rampant with the animals, you could kill them to, for the protection of the ship. And so they said, this was their just point of just justification, to kill sick animals for the protection of the ship was legal. It was also legal to treat slaves the same as animals. Here it is. Wait for it. You know what happened. The court agreed. Do black lives matter? We need a revival of the value of black lives because black lives have never mattered in this country to the same degree and of equal value of white lives in these yet to be United States. Uh, current events bespeak of this country's inherent racist feelings regarding the inequality of black and brown people which existed in the founding fathers, uh, slave traders, slavers, founding presidents, slave owners themselves and permeates our society to this date. And, and it's just a little bit now because of what you have in the White House, you have a, a, a more libertarian feeling and flow of people uh, to really espouse and, and to spout out, if you will, their true feelings that they harbored for a long time. And some of it's not their fault. They were taught this. And it takes this kind of monologue and dialogues on your levels when you interact with people from a factual basis to help them understand black lives have never mattered to equal proportion and value of white lives in these yet to be United States. August 13th, 2020, August 13th, 2020, Virginia mayor. Um, this is an article by Janelle Griffin. Griffith, excuse me, a Virginia mayor is facing calls for his resignation over a Facebook post in which he said that Joe Biden, and I quote, just announced Aunt Jemima as his running mate. Do black lives value to the same degree as white lives in this country? You can't come back with that retort when you understand the historicity of this country to, to date. Uh, the, the history laid the found foundation and the groundwork for the thinking and the consciousness of this country. Uh, Luray, L-U-R-A-Y, Luray Mayor Barry Presgraves posted the comment about two weeks ago on his Facebook page. This is boldness. Why? Because it's what you thought. You, you don't post a Facebook uh, uh, post to your page without thought. I happen to know and have it on a good source of authority that your your fingers cannot type unless your your brain receives a message uh, from your thought process and your belief system to and sends the message to your fingers uh, uh, and communicates to your fingers what it is you wish to type. I happen to know that you don't have that kind of arbitrary frenetic movement without thought. So you had to 
uh, assess your Facebook. You had to type in your password. Uh, you had to get uh, uh, find where you post. Then you had to type the message. All of those items require thought. But that's going to be important to you in a moment's time. Listen, uh, he posted this comment about two weeks ago on his Facebook page. The comment was condemned by members of the Loray Town Council and other residents before he took it down. Loray is a town of less than 5,000 people. That's one thing. But watch where it geograph geographically lays. The majority of them white. Mm -hmm. So what? how did they see the black life of uh, former Vice President Joe Biden and his in his selection of his vice presidential candidate. How do they view it? Do they view that as equal lives, all lives mattering equally? No. The town is about 90 miles west of Washington, D.C. So get the flow now. Although there are only 5,000 people in this town, it's an hour and a half from the district where the White House is and where all of the thinking and governing uh, uh, tears down to every state in these yet to be United States. Um, Biden named California, as you know, Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate on that Tuesday. A number of black women on Biden's running mate short list include so forth and so on. Prez Graves apologized at a town council meeting that Monday night. Here it is. And so once he did this, uh, he says this. I want to make this very clear to everyone with absolutely no qualifications. Uh, I understand what I posted on social media was wrong, offensive, and unbecoming. No, you're saying that because you were caught if no one had said anything and this is why we can't be silent had no one accosted him checked him had no one said anything to the contrary he would have done what has been done in this nation for hundreds of years he's 77 years of of, of age but watch this now he added to his statement this does not reflect what is in my heart. This is amazing. You, 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 you found Facebook on your apps. You assessed your Facebook page. You typed in your Facebook identity information. You typed out your message and you had the good sense, quote unquote, to post it on your newsfeed. And then you press send. But none of this <laughs> reflects what is in your heart. No, the truth of the matter is it reflected all of the above, reflected all of your heart. You were just challenged by someone who refused to be silent. I want to make a direct apology to all the people of color and women and this is in quotes, passing off demeaning and worn out racial stereotypes as humor isn't funny, he said. Well, he must have thought it was when he thought it through the first time. Reading from a prepared statement, I now fully understand how hurtful um, this is and 
I can and I will do better and we can all do better. We must. It's amazing how they pull all people uh, into an le- equal latitude when they're in an unfavorable dis- disadvent- uh, disposition and disadvantage. He concluded his statement by saying, from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry and humbly ask for your forgiveness and f- your grace. Barbara Vinnie, 69, and I wanted to get this in here, a Luray resident addressed pre-graves. Uh, press graves directly at the meeting. I've been here in quotes all my life, almost 70 years. And today I am hurt. She said, Vinny told, uh, press graves. She was not there to tear him down or to speak ill of him, but that she had to stand for what is right. One woman, Vinny said, uh, Vinny said her father was black and white. Her mother was Indian and black. There's almost no black people who are just 100% black because of the heinousness of, of slavery, the white slave masters and the crews of the slave ships as the women were being brought over from Africa. Uh, notice what she says. She was not taught to be racist. She said she was taught what comes out of the mouth can hurt and you have to be careful what you speak because words do hurt. End of quote. She resumes her quote, uh, quoted statement by saying, we need somebody with positive thinking that will shape this community. No more dividing, she said, in order for us to move on ellipsis. I'm asking you today, Mr. Mayor, that you step down in love. To his face at the town council meeting. She couldn't be silent anymore. I'm asking you, she called him out publicly and she did it without malice. She did it intelligently and she asked for his resignation. She says this, I'm asking you today, Mr. Mayor, that you step down in love because I love you and do the right thing. At least one person at the meeting said he did not deem the Facebook comment racist. So the, you, you know, the tele- the reporters go around and they found some smart person who says this is not racist. You know why? Because all lives do not matter to the same degree that black lives matter to white lives in America. That is the problem with our country. And I'm disgusted with myself because for years I, I, I believed the history that I was given except with exception of a few awakening classes of African-American studies in college. I believed what my teachers taught me and I've come to find out this country was never built with an, a sense of equity. And again, if Jesus had to confront the political powers, if Paul had to confront Peter over inequities of, of, of eth- ethics and ethnos, if Jesus was killed over this, if if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face uh, the lions, Daniel faces the lions den because of political issues, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face the fiery furnace because of of a political stance, what what tells us that we can just pray over things and walk in love without the reciprocal of calling things out? Believers are supposed to be bold people, not tolerating and subjugating in silence 
wrong and covering it up as right. Uh, as a result of this, Quaker Foods, I must tell you, uh, North America dropped its Aunt Jemima image and name in mid-June 2020, saying they recognize the origins of the character are based on, quote, end quote, a racial stereotype of a black, quoting, unquote, mammy who raised her master's white children. That's what Quakers, Quaker Foods makes the statement. Council member uh, Leah Pence sent an email to Pres Grace last Monday evening urging him to resign. So as I, I'll close tonight, but I'm going to show you next week that we have recent facts. We had Jacob Blake shot seven times in the back when he walked away from officers while attempting to enter a small uh, sport utility vehicle with his three children in the back seat. Cell phone video of the shooting exploded across social media, ignited a firestorm of sometimes violent, destructive protests in Kenosha in the days since to current. Uh, Blake it, it currently lies in fraud turt hospital paralyzed paralyzed now from the waist down a black man shot seven times in the back by white officers and you tell me do black lives matter to the same degree as though those of their white counterparts you tell me uh notice this a high profile i have a list we'll start here next week of probably a dozen and a half uh incidents captured by passers-bys, uh, cell phones, where law enforcement officers shot and killed, uh, manhandled um, black people, most of them uh, in, from 15 to 25. We don't have to talk about Breonna Taylor. We don't want to get into that. We don't want to get into Mr. George Floyd. And then we don't want to get into... Um, talking about i mean i'm going to talk about eric gartner next week i'm going to talk about michael brown i'm going to talk about laquan mcdonald i'm going to talk about tamir rice i'm going to talk about walter scott i'm going to talk about sandra bland i'm going to talk about samuel du bois i'm going to talk about freddie gray he was the first i can't breathe victim uh arrested in baltimore maryland i'm going to talk about alton sterling i'm going to talk about philando Castile. I'm going to talk about Terrence Crutcher. I'm going to talk about, I've got to talk about them next week. Uh, uh, Ahmaud Arbery. We've got to talk about him. This happened this year, 2020. Breonna Taylor, 26. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, all of this. George Floyd. I'm going to talk about this because the issue is I'm going to talk about Rashard Brooks. I'm going to talk about these. These are black people who are killed by law enforcement officers who have taken a pledge to protect and serve. And I happen to know in order to protect and serve, you have to do the first verb, honor, at the same value points. Uh, Jacob Blake is lying in the hospital room now, paralyzed, and there's nothing funny about it. I laugh as, as, as satire to the retort, all lives matter with the implied meaning they matter to the same degree. This is a 17 year old walking in the rally in Wisconsin. Last Tuesday's protest, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, he kills two wounds, one. And I, I just have to ask the question. 
if you, if all lives match to the same degree, I have to ask this question. Please pardon me. All my friends who think, my Facebook friends who think I've lost my mind, I just want you to think about this. Just picture this. A 17-year-old, and we have the footage. It's out there on the, on the various formats. The police pass him walking with the assault rifle or strapped to his back. If he had been a black 17 year old, he probably would never have killed anybody because the police would have at the very least arrested him, taken him in for questioning or taken him out where no questions could be asked. If black lives matter to the same degree as white lives mattering, if you will, uh, how does a 17 year old obtain an assault rifle? Uh, where were his parents? What what can we do? I, I, I'm over my time now. I think I'm right in an hour, and if I only purpose to be an hour. Challenge ourselves as people of color in, a, in America to fact check our history, first of all, so you are knowledgeable of the mentalities uh, that have been placed here in America. Why people? Remember, intelligent minds embrace the answer to the question, why? Average minds, what, how, when, where? But, it, uh, but, but intelligent minds, if you look for resolve and resolution, you have to deal with why. Why do people think the way they do? Why are black and brown people uh, handled and manhandled, even mishandled the way they are? Well, first of all, you have to understand your history in America, how people see you as a result of their history and what they have been told about you, which puts the placement on black and brown people that we have to give new images. We have to be able to confront old images with new images. We have to be able to confront old mindsets with new paradigms, new models. We have to be able to challenge old historical standings. And you can't change history like you cannot unring a bell by new facts and new precedents. Um, for all people, people we deal with that are out of our race, in any way, friendships, colleagues, peers, co-workers, churches and church members, they must be vetted because in the vetting gives an opportunity for dialogue, for learning, for new experiences. Uh, you can't make people love you who wish not to love you because of the color of your skin, but you can make yourself very attractive so that people want to understand better what makes you tick, what makes you quote-unquote different. And the reality is you may not be that different in essence, but you're probably different in terms of their thought process. There needs to be an awakening. We can help awaken America by not being silent. The next thing we can do is make certain and I, I want to come back to this next week and i'll just give you these two make certain wherever confrontations uh potential confrontations are going down 
make sure you are in an environment where some recording is going on. If there are people there, they're, they're going to record because they want likes and views <laughs> on their social media platforms. Um, in the absence of people, make certain that they, you're looking up for those little dome cameras, surveillance cameras of stores and uh, convenience shops and places of that nature. Because you want to always, even in the, in the worst case scenario, if someone gets taken out, at least your family will have the benefit once the investigations have been done. Uh, to verify and to vet what did take place. I would even say if you're in a church where uh, alt-right uh, spoutings are going on, you have a phone, tape it. We have to start holding people accountable. You just can't say and make the remarks. I saw a T-shirt uh, uh, that was relative to former Vice President Joe Biden's choice in vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris, Joe and his hoes. I mean, you we can't you can't do that. You you're not gonna be able to do that. Somebody has to check that. We have to check the stores that sell these commodities, and they have to feel it with our black dollars, our black and brown dollars. Uh, that's all the time I'm going to take tonight. I, I, I apologize that I wasn't able to get more into this. Uh, as we close each week, business philosopher Jim Ron, one of my favorite um, writers of uh, quotes, uh, makes the statement, sincerity is not a test of truth. People can be sincerely wrong. We cannot make this mistake. Uh, he must be right. He's so sincere. It is possible to be sincerely wrong. We can only judge truth by truth and sincerity by sincerity. And I say this, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7, for those who are lovers of the word of God, just as there's a time to keep silent, there is a time to speak. The words of God says a time to rend, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. We cannot be silent ever again because silence is compromise. Silence is complicity with erroneous thinking. Silence is agreement with sanitized, whitewashed history that does not do a service to people of color and the lives that were lost to etch their names in the imprints of history. Co-signing, silence is co-signing with control, racist, bigoted, and supremacy mentalities. Finally, silence is liberty and justice ending. In, the, in, in silence is the end of liberty and justice until next week at 6 30 p.m central standard time you'll join us again and you will also tag your friends you'll also share links with your friends to help us increase our facebook space until then uh, just know we can never be silent again blessings <laughs>